Yeah, I mean, I wanted to make something really epic, and and it had a real heartstring to it. Um, yeah, it just it's in my gut. That's when when I was working on this idea. It's just that's what I felt. I wanted to take people on an epic journey. Movie, but you've got to set up the rules for the audience and and show them how destructive it could be, and which we set up in the very beginning of the movie. And um, I think when you see it affecting everyday civilians down down home, I think it hits its accord. Welcome to another episode of a podcast directed by. So we are starting a brand new month. Um, last month we did Ida Lupino, and we are taking you know maybe the hardest turn in part podcast history uh, to go from Ida Lupino to Michael Bay. Um, so to do that, we have our expert. Um, we have Steph Williams um, to talk about Michael Bay. So Steph is a freelance writer, uh, writes for Sci-Fi Fangirls, and has a couple web comics. But I'm going to give her an opportunity to talk about those so you can find her online. So Steph, first of all, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. No, thank you so much for having me on. Um, Michael Bay is very like a love-hate mm. relationship with him, so I'm very excited to talk about him. Um, but as far as my work, uh, which I hope you guys check out, um, again, as David has mentioned, I write for uh, Sci-Fi Fangirls and I have two web comics that uh, you'll hopefully enjoy because I actually have one that'll be um, involved in the Transformers soon. Um, but What If Though is kind of like my um, sketch comedy uh, web comic where I use, uh, you know, like well-known characters like the Transformers, the Avengers and all of those other IPs that we have grown up loving. And uh, my second webcomic is Parenthood Activate. Um, and that's just basically uh, me telling the, <laughs> the uh, amazing story of parenthood and uh, how that works. So um, those are my two things. And if you don't already follow me on Twitter, I'm just always talking about comics because I love them. And I I don't know, like I like to post things about like Nightcrawler's ass. So... <laughs> Here we are. Perfect. <laughs> Steph is actually someone I followed for a, quite a long time on Twitter. I think, I think our initial connection was through Sean uh, at No Totally, uh, one of my oldest uh, podcasting yes. friends. Um, and I will say, Steph is one of my favorite follows. But like, maybe, uh, maybe don't go to her page when someone's looking over your shoulder because uh, there there will be no. some nonsense on there that is great but like you know some people adhere to the like oh i'll post this stuff at night uh not so much what's like you just never know what is, is well, especially now what is time who knows what's monday what's saturday what's 10 o'clock who knows uh but yes i highly recommend uh giving giving her a follow absolutely fantastic stuff so when I was, you know, going through for guests a little kind of behind the scenes, like what I've been doing is like, okay, who am I, who am I interested in hearing just in general, as far as their opinions on movies, their opinions on directors. And then I contact them and hope and pray that they DM me back. And in Steph's case, she did. I have no idea why. So I was very grateful for that. And I just said, Hey, who do you want to talk about? And, you know, she gave me a list of like, you know, three or four, like really, thought-provoking uh, directors, and then Michael Bay. And I was like, whoa, whoa, this is okay. And we were actually already <laughs> planning on doing a Michael Bay month. Um, I don't know why, but this is this is where we're at. I think because, you know, we focus on our tours and, like, style um, in terms of directors and love him or hate him or both, Michael Bay definitely has a style. You know a Michael Bay movie Within, mm -hmm. I would say, 15 seconds of turning on the movie, as soon as the opening credits are over, you're like, oh, yeah, here we are. Um, so we thought it was a good opportunity, and we were kind of talking before the episode, uh, and maybe this is on me, but this really surprised me that you were like Michael Bay, uh, because Michael Bay I don't see as a director usually that is heralded um, by people of color, by women. Um, he's been accused of making films specifically for teenage boys, and he's very pleased about that. He doesn't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, so to start off, like, what is it about Michael Bay movies that appeals to you? Like, why should he be covered on a director's podcast? 
So the way that, so the reason why I actually um, don't mind Michael Bay and want to talk about him is because I approach his movies the same way I approach older comics. Mm -hmm. Um, And by saying that, older comics, even current ones, there's always going to be something that makes you cringe, makes you question um, what the heck the editor was thinking, what the writer was thinking, what the artist was thinking, but... Um, at the same time, uh, just looking at it from a dip, uh, I guess another perspective or glass half full, there is unintentionally funny things that happen in those pages. And the same thing for Michael Bay. And I'm all about unintentionally funny things. Um, <laughs> they just, it's something about it. Just, I love it. Um, it's my favorite fast pastime to um, kind of focus on those things. So Michael Bay movies, the whole entire catalog is just full of unintentionally funny things. Um, and also because we are headed to the summer, Michael Bay always has a special place in my heart because I've seen almost all of his movies in theater because the air conditioner was out. I kid you not. Almost every single Michael Bay movie I've seen is because the air conditioner had went out at home and either my family or just me and some friends were like, yeah, let's just go to the movies. And his movies are usually pretty yes. long. So you're in there for a little while. Um, I think Pearl Harbor Pearl Harbor didn't come out in the summer, so that's one I didn't see. But everything else, I'm there. So Michael Bay, unintentionally funny, great movies to just uh, kind of sit there and enjoy some air conditioning at the theater and um, really just wonder, like, beneath all the orange, what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yes. See, it's interesting that you mentioned unintentional comedy uh, with Michael Bay, which I totally agree with, by the way, which just tells me, Steph, you, you should watch Pearl Harbor um, because it is maybe the oh most unintentionally Lord. funny movie I've seen in the last decade. Uh, I just watched it for the first time um, for this for this month. And there's a lot going on there. Anytime you make a love story surrounded by the bombing of Pearl Harbor, <laughs> there's a... There's some choices made in that movie. So I think high recommend, but only for you. I, I think you are the only person maybe that I would say you must see Pearl Harbor, you know, invest three or four hours of your time and really just dive into that because there's a lot going on there. Um, but you brought up a great point that like, you know, he is like, even though like I looked up, they had on his Wikipedia page, this whole list of all of his movies and the Rotten Tomato scores. And they, there's definitely a trend downward um throughout his career and they didn't start off that high to begin with um even with like the original bad boys and armageddon you're talking like 40s 50s and it goes all the way down to like 12 or 13 percent with some of his last movies um but in general he's almost been untouchable when it comes to making money off off of these projects and i think i think a lot of it is that summer thing it's it's big it's bombastic you know, these are movies you should definitely see in the theaters. And especially when it's really hot, you want to get out of the craziness of the summer weather, especially depending on where you are, the humidity. And you want to just, I mean, I know this has been said a thousand times, but it's specifically for Michael Bay. Like this is turn your brain off cinema. Like this is, you should not be thinking super deeply. I think there's maybe one or two of his movies that I could argue, like there's something going on beneath the surface here. But most of them, it's like, you kind of get what you pay for with Michael Bay. You absolutely do. And you'll like me, you'll be sitting there like when I saw, what was it? Transformers four. Um, and there's a point that happens in the movie where uh, both my husband and I looked at each other and we said, you know, maybe sitting in the car in the AC and just, you know, burning up all the gas was a better move. Um, it's just, it is <laughs> the things that he does sometimes in his movies are just so outlandish and so, what is wrong with you that, um, again, like the absurdity of it all, I end up loving it. Um, Michael Bay, in a way, his movies are kind of yeah. camp. Um, and yeah, they're very, and I, and I love camp. So that's another reason why, um, even though I know I probably shouldn't, if a Michael Bay movie is streaming somewhere, I'm probably watching it. Like the amount of times that I've seen Bad Boys Oof. 2, um, just talk about over the top. Talk um, about just choices. Like, <laughs> oh my god! You know, I let's get into talking about some of these movies because I just want to talk about all of the absurd, unintentionally funny, uh, sir, 
how did you get this? How did you get this job? Right. I mean, and I think so much of it, if you look at like the start of his career, he had like two or three hits immediately. The first Bad Boys made yeah. just amazing amounts of money considering uh, what it is. I mean, it's a buddy cop movie, right? And it's running, I think, almost mm-hmm. completely on personality. Like the action is good. The explosions are great. But this is like... This is Will Smith and Martin Lawrence's movie. It's just like kind of set the camera in motion and let them go. And then you have Armageddon and that made insane amounts of money. So then like once you have success, especially that early, I have to think like, you know, it's that can't nobody tell me nothing. Like it's just I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And who's who's going to check me? Because look at all this money I made in the studio. No right? one. And it's just like until maybe – um Maybe the third or fourth Transformers movie, maybe Pain and Gain. Oh. That was the first time profits started to dip. And I think things maybe started to change. Well, mm-hmm. and even Pearl Harbor, which is like derided by audiences, derided by critics, that movie was like the fifth, uh, it made the fifth most amount of money that year. Like it made a lot of money. So like the man just prints dollar bills. So who's going to tell him like, oh, you can't, uh, you can't throw corpses out of the back of that car and have your heroes run over them. You can't, you know, you can't dig your hands into an empty chest cavity and pull out drugs. Like, I, you know, I'm Michael Bay. I'm going to do it. And no one is going to stop me. Like, this, <laughs> it's just who he is at this point. Or, or the moment in Transformers 4 that had me question sitting in my vehicle in the middle of the summer. Um, there's a point where Mark Wahlberg and I believe it's Anthony Hopkins and I'm sorry I'm forgetting the woman's name because I don't even want to get started on his yeah. whole <laughs> his whole thing with that. But um, Anthony Hopkins, uh, bless his soul, is seriously talking. He's giving a theatric um, take on the Whitwickens and giving their oh, history yes. going through <laughs> And we're looking at the wall and they're going through all these photos of all these uh, historical, these folks that, you know, we know historically. And at one point they pan to Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman. (laughs) And I thought, (laughs) I sincerely thought either I had had one too many ices, (laughs) some popcorn was lodged in my throat. (laughs) And I looked to my husband and I say, I know. I know Michael Bay is not implying in this film, and also the person who wrote it, uh, that both Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman knew about the Transformers. Furthermore, that Optimus Prime knew that slavery was happening and didn't <laughs> give not one speech about ending it. You all left Cybertron. Like, where is Bumblebee? So that, I spent the rest of that movie focused <laughs> on that and just thinking of the absurdity of it all. And it just reminded me of like when moments like that happen in other films where um, it's either, you know, like a superhero film or some entity in that movie that could have prevented a thing, but didn't. But the people that were in it knew of them and just nothing like history still happened the same way that we know it to be. And it just blew it blew <laughs> my mind. Like it really blew my mind. And unfortunately, probably it did actually inspire a uh, boat with a comic that I'm um, comic strip that I'm going to do um, that involves the transform. Yes. That involves the transformers working on the underground railroad. <laughs> because why? Like, why don't, like why on earth? And that's what I mean, unintentionally yep. funny. And, Actually, I probably shouldn't even have found it funny, but you have to laugh to keep yeah, I mean, that's and It's so I just ridiculous. Like, what else, what else can, can you believe do? It. I mean, it's like, this is, only Michael Bay could connect Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, and Shia LaBeouf in like, in a like 12 second frame. And you're like, how did we, wow, you just, okay. And like, God bless him. I don't know how much Anthony Hopkins got paid, uh, but he earned every oh cent Lord. with that performance. Cause like. You know, he could have easily phoned that in, but he absolutely did not. Like, he went balls to the wall, just all out. Like, okay, I'm in a ridiculous movie where Transformers have broadswords. All right, well, let's just let's just go for it here. And he actually just watched that movie for the first time for this, this month's podcast. And I was like, actually, like, I was expecting to hate that movie and kind of didn't because it was so ridiculous. I was just like, you know what? Let's go for it. Why? Why not? You know, and I think some of it is my co-host constantly gives me shit about this because he will really take his time and like he'll start watching these a couple months ago and like slowly work way through. And I'll watch them all in like, you know, a week 
right? So in the last three days, I've watched like 14 Michael Bay movies. So, so by the oh time Lord. you get to Transformers the last night, like my brain is such mush and, you know, there's just sparks coming out of my ears at this point that I'm like, sure, let's, why not? You know, uh, Mark, Mark Wahlberg and, uh, Merlin, uh, and this woman who is, uh, Merlin's, uh, descendant. Sure. Why not? Let's, you know, I'm down. I'm down for anything at his this hot, point. His hot, his hot descendant. I, I just, <laughs> who knew? Who knew the Merlin family was well, so bad? It's Michael just, Bay. There would <laughs> never be even anyone even normal looking, let alone like on no. the other end of the spectrum. Everyone is perfect. You know, it's like, okay. And, you know, I mean, that brings us to an interesting discussion actually because you know as much as i enjoy michael bay movies and there's some things i really like about him as a person some things he's done and some things he's done have been pretty awful you know if you listen to you know mm-hmm. Megan fox and her experiences and she made a couple comments about you know kind of comparing him to hitler on the set and she was like immediately fired from the next movie and like this he seems he seems kind of petty uh and he seems borderline misogynistic like at least the way his camera operates like there is i mean if you want to see the male gaze in action just put in any michael bay movie and wait about five minutes and you will find it so as a female viewer how serious do you do you take this is this something you could just kind of brush off because whatever it's michael bay or is it something that as you're watching it you have to kind of roll your eyes out i definitely like my eyes should be stuck (laughs) And like they should be stuck. Um, it's funny you brought that up because Armageddon I saw in theaters uh, with my family. It was a whole family affair. <laughs> I don't think it's because the air conditioner was out there. I think it's just because it's the summertime. We all wanted to get out. And I, how old was I when Armageddon came out? I, I, I was still in elementary school, so I don't know, maybe ten, nine, eight or nine or something like that. I bring it up because it was in that moment I knew that. I was going to have a problem all the time with his female characters because in that, the graham, crack, the graham cracker scene. Oh, gee, oh God. I said, huh. <laughs> and I remember my grandmother on the other, she was on like the opposite end of the row and I just heard her say, oh my <laughs> Lord. And I, in my little, in my, uh, my little eight, nine year old head, I said, I know something isn't, write about this and like uh, there's no reason why we need to see um ben affleck uh doing this whole um safari thing between um liv's kids (laughs) but here we are and i and i knew and then it made sense by the time we got the asteroid and the asteroid itself was growling like the asteroid actually had a personality Uh. i i just i knew i knew from then on um how I had to approach Michael Bay movies. If I was ever going to, you know, if I was going to be subjected to watching them, then I knew how, how I had to approach them if I watched them. So for all of his female characters, I just, even Gabrielle Union and Bad Boys yeah. too. Does she have some, she has some badass moments, but they're still like, how is that suit still clean? After all that? <laughs> yes. She's driving this truck. The door is missing and her white three piece suit is still pristine. It's, yeah, it's interesting because he clearly, <laughs> aesthetically, he clearly has an eye for beautiful women, but he has, like, zero mm-hmm. connection with um, what is sexy in terms of, like, two people interacting. Like, I'm, I'm just convinced that he's, like, mm-hmm. never interacted with a woman before. I know that's not true. I know it can't be true, but, like, the way he films women and men, to, men together, you're like, that, there's nothing human going on here at all like and 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 it's interesting (laughs) to watch all these movies back to back to back to back because i i remember liking the first transformers when i first saw it and maybe this is just like nostalgia and me really wanting to like that movie because i grew up with the transformers um and i watch it now and i kind of feel like the transformers movies were maybe the worst thing that could have happened to michael bay as a director because i think it i think it kind of engages all of his worst tendencies right like the big complaints about Michael Bay, especially Transformers and on, is that he has no eye for um, the geography of an action sequence. It's just like things blow up, man, and it's cool, and then we keep moving. Um, and when you have basically indestructible creations, you can just keep doing this for, in his case, two and a half to three hours every time out. 
And you don't have to really worry about human connections anymore, even though I am of the opinion that those movies focus on the humans way too much. Like, everything is an extreme situation. Mm -hmm. So, like, you can kind of get away with anything. So the Transformers movies, for me at least, are movies that I can totally tune out of and then come back an hour and a half later and still feel like I missed nothing. So it's like... (laughs) It's amazing how that is, right? Um... Because that what was it last night? I think that's the longest one, Oof. and I just I blanked out when they were still in America because I think they leave the country. They always. always leave the country. They leave the country, and I'm like, wow, this movie is this movie is still going, and I still know what's going on because absolutely nothing has right. happened when they introduced um, Robot Heaven. Oh, Lord, that's what I mean. <laughs> just- and also, they're like, they're, then, they're stealing the from Man of Steel. <laughs> like, this whole, we're just going to build this planet. I was like, yes. I feel like I've seen this. I didn't like it then. Uh, and I definitely don't like it now. Like, I just, <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> and then, like, the way that, um, you know, God bless Megan Fox. Um, I, when I learned, like, what how she ended up getting dumped from the franchise, I was mad for her because it was crap. And actually, you know what? She was very good in those first two Transformers for whatever yes. they gave her to do. And the way that they just kind of replaced her, the way he replaced her for that third film, um, what was it? Dark Side, Darker. Darker the Moon. Darker the Moon. Mm-hmm. Whichever. Darker the Moon. Um, and who they replaced her with. I'm just like, wow, you just, like, I just imagine Michael Bay has this catalog <laughs> of women that he finds And I, and it's so creepy to think of it that way, but I just know he does. So he has this roster that he's like, like no a blonde this time. Yes. Next. <laughs> like. Yes. Let me just insert her in this film and make it unnecessarily just like the way that those mo- those movies could be on Pornhub. The way it's the same got, setup. Like, I mean, was, all you need to do is actually yes. go through with it, and we're, we have the same movie. Yes. Yes. Hundred percent. I think. Oh, Michael Bay. See, I, now I'm questioning why I was like, yeah, let's talk about <laughs> Michael Bay. But no, let's talk about Michael Bay. I think the Bay. thing that's really interesting about all these things we've been bringing up is I can almost guarantee you, if you said all of this in maybe a more respectful way than we're we're talking about now because we're having fun, he would probably be like, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. That is who I am. Yes. And you yes. know, you mentioned him like just being bombastic and over the top and like doing things that really no one else would get away with. And like, as much as sometimes, <laughs> cause like I'm very torn on Michael Bay. There's some of his movies I absolutely love and some that I'm like, what is happening here? Why am I sitting through this? But I really admire him as a filmmaker that he's willing to like go to those lengths, like that no one else will. And of course some of it is because he's made so much money, he feels kind of untouchable. But like, even if you look at like the first bad boys and even Armageddon, which may be, of all the movies I enjoy, maybe the most aggressively stupid movie um, that I've ever enjoyed. I mean, you have a plot where you're like, oh, no, let's not train astronauts to, to drill. Let's uh, train drillers how to be astronauts. That'll be easy. I just like just the basis of the movie itself. You're like, this doesn't even pass the eye test. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, this, But the fact that he's just and that's before, I mean, he had one success. You know, he had bad boys before that. And he's just like, yeah, let's do this. Why not? You know, and it's just like I gotta, you, I gotta give it up to him to to go that route. You know, what's crazy is though, The Rock actually came That's just right. before Armageddon, and The Rock actually, um, you know, I enjoy that movie. I think it's probably more so because of I actually like Nick Cage. I have an undying love for him. I don't know why, and also Sean Connery. That might be. So, that, um, I mean, that's easily yeah. top two. Like top two, top three of Michael Bay movies, I think. I, and I just watched it again. It still absolutely holds up. Um, like few of his movies do, because especially things like the original Bad Boys and Armageddon, you're like, yeah, this is very 90s. Like it just oozes 1990s. <laughs> but The Rock, I think, still holds up a bit. No, it, it definitely does. And I actually watched it this morning and um, no, I, no complaints. I'm like, this is still a very solid film. It reminds between that one and Pain and Gain, um, which surprisingly I think is his best movie because the characters, um, especially Mark Wahlberg's character, I feel like is very close to who Michael Bay might be in real <laughs> life. Maybe not all the 
not, not, maybe not all the killing and maybe well, we don't know. I mean, yeah. it, it, let's not make these, like these assumptions. <laughs> Who knows? So I'm glad you brought up Pain and Gain because, like, I am not joking when I say this. Pain and Gain to me is a five star movie. I think it is like beyond mm-hmm. Michael Bay. I think it's honestly it's like a grimy masterpiece. It's the it's it's the ugliest yeah. side of the American dream you could possibly imagine. Uh, and I think it's brilliant. And I think it may be Wahlberg's second best performance. It's like Boogie Nights and then this. And I think it's because Mark Wahlberg is very good at playing dumb. Um, I'm not sure he's acting at this point because I think he is honestly that stupid. Yes. Um, and, but, but I think that lends itself to this movie. And I think it's the funniest The Rock has ever been. Um, I, I, you know, I think everyone in mm-hmm. it is fantastic. Like I've probably, in terms of Michael Bay movies, that's probably the one I've watched the most. It also helps that it's only two hours and 10 minutes as opposed to his usual two and a half hours and up for every goddamn movie he puts out. So I'm like, oh, I could actually sit and like watch this movie and it's a normal length. I can get through this tonight instead of like, well, let me watch an hour and 15 and come back to this tomorrow because I just can't do this right now. But Pain and Gain is funny. I think, you know, and I also think, you know, the one thing that you can really be upset about in terms of Pain and Gain is the fact that it's based on a true story and it definitely makes Mm -hmm. light of some truly terrible things that happen. But if you're going to give Michael Bay the reins to this story, do you really want him doing a self-serious version of this? That's what Pearl Harbor is for. And we all know how that went. So like this is it's just like when people uh, will complain about like Sofia Coppola not telling a black story. I'm like, I don't want that. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't no. think oh, thank you. that this is like the definition of you don't have the range. Like this is not, this is not who you want telling that story. You want to cut the slave narrative out of that story. That's fine. You want to cut the like seriousness out of pain and gain. That's also fine by me. So I'm, I'm so glad that you watched pain and gain and enjoyed it. Cause that is one that definitely is probably his most divisive movie. It gets very strong reaction. So I was very happy to see that you enjoyed that one. Yeah, because the story itself, um, because of course I like read about the actual story um, after watching it and then watched it again. And the story itself is so heinous and outrageous at the same time. It fits his, like it fits his art style. Like that, that whole situation, like that real life situation is his, I, I, his filmography, yeah, um, like in a nutshell, and that's why it works so well. And while he, while he was the only person that really could have directed that movie and made it what it was, so for all the good and terrible reasons, um, Pain and Gain is a five star movie to me, and his his best movie, honestly. Like that's one I can watch mm-hmm. repeatedly. And when I groan, it's because the characters. And everyone playing them like they're so spot on that um, I don't feel sorry for those guys no. at all. <laughs> Even though like it's making light of like at, at no point do I ever feel sorry for them. Right, and I think actually that is what makes it great um, because I think it would be very easy to make that movie in a way because they are your lead characters. Everyone else is ancillary. It'd be very mm-hmm. easy to be like, oh, I feel bad for these guys. It's really, but like they, the way that movie is played, the tone that it takes. I, I literally cannot imagine watching that movie and going like, oh, I'm really rooting for these guys. Like, no, no, if you're rooting for these guys, please seek help um, because you have, you've gone down the wrong path. This is, not, this is not the way that this is supposed to go. The thing that's probably most amazing about that movie to me is that he made it in the midst of these Transformers movies. Like he had made two Transformers movies. He had made two in a row and then he made Pain and Gain and then he made the last Transformers right after that. And I'm like, well, how, I don't, how, how did you create this work of genius Ash. in the middle of this nonsense? <laughs> like, I just. Yes, no, I'm looking and that sec, that, that third Transformers, oh no, that fourth, wow, five. there have been five Transformer movies, Jesus Christ. Okay, so that fourth one, Age of Extinction, oh, where dinosaurs, so um, happen. Happen, that, yeah, that's about right. I, you cannot be high enough. It, there is enough. There is enough cannabis in the world um, to make that movie. Nope. But it should be. But um, the fact that that came out a year later after Pain and Gain uh, blows my yeah. mind. I mean, it's like it's it's one of those things. It's actually really interesting for me to you know because I watched his entire filmography in order. So it's really interesting to see like starts off really great, 
Um, and then, you know, once he gets involved in the Transformers universe, it kind of dips. And then, you know, Pearl Harbor is somewhere in there. And you're like, okay, that was definitely a misfire. And that's about the time, as I remember, like me kind of giving up on watching his movies in any kind of way that wasn't just like, okay, let's see the stupid, let's go. And then all of a sudden pain and gain happen. Yeah. And I'd heard such terrible things about it. And then I went and saw it and I was like, oh, like he can actually make a legitimately great movie. Um, and outside of the realm of the action genre, like this is not, there's, there's violence going on certainly, but this is not like an explosion every 10 minutes, right? It's much more disturbing than that. And then of course, nobody saw it and it bombed. So I'm convinced this is why we got, you know, the next Transformers movie and uh, 13 hours. You know, it was just like, fine, you don't want me to think anymore? Fine, I'll just dive in. Um, but 13 hours, you, I watched um, in the theater and then watched again for this. And the thing that boggles my mind about movies like that is people saying, like, I just can't believe it. he made that and it wasn't political. And it was like, it's called The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. Like, it's... It's political. I mean, that's like saying, like, Race War the movie isn't political. Like, it's like, no, no, it's like, it's it's engaging your senses just on the title. Can we not? Like, honestly, the best thing about that movie is uh, John Krasinski's abs. Uh, other than that, it's just kind of like, oh, I don't know, man. And as, like, someone who's super liberal, yeah. someone who's, like, you know, Bernie Sanders isn't left enough, I watch this and I'm like, oh, God. And it's, like, it's hard for me. Like, that's why I kind of like in some ways when Michael Bay makes shut off your brain movies. Cause I think sometimes when he tries, you get pain and gain. And sometimes when he tries the kind of conservative leaning, very rich white guy comes out. And I think that's what we get in things like 13 hours. So is when you watch his movies, um, does that, does that kind of play in? Are you like keeping an eye out for like the messages he's putting out there? Or is it just like, this is Michael Bay. I can't even go there. No, I definitely am because um, it's funny that people didn't think that 13 hours was political. I only made 13 minutes in it and I said, I'm absolutely not doing this <laughs> because in all those, in all the Transformers movies, it is so heavy in the military. It just, it like the Transformers are special ops. <laughs> are you kidding? Like how? So, for, so, so for folks, that's a feel that 13 hours wasn't like it just blows my mind. But no, I'm definitely thinking about that. Um, because if he wasn't, then the Transformers wouldn't be, you know, fighting for the for the for, uh, for America, like <laughs> literally going overseas and hiding and doing special block out a black ops missions. That that just still seems uh, like a great idea mind. to have um, these like 19 ton <laughs> creatures do. Special ops. That seems like something you could definitely hide. But what are you? What he does definitely have like a hard on. For, like they're signing treaties. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he definitely does have a hard on for the military and for the vehicles and all that stuff. And like even the way the first Transformer starts, it all starts at an army base. And I, you know, someone who grew up watching Transformers, uh, you know, the cartoon and watching Transformers the movie and having my yeah. heart ripped out uh, by that by that movie when I was a child. You watch this and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of, there's a lot of military. There's a lot of wit wiki. Um, this is not really what I signed up for. I just want to see Optimus Prime and Megatron fight. Like, why, why are we doing that? And it's interesting that he went that route because when I first heard, oh, my, because it was so unnecessary. When you first hear Michael Bay's doing Transformers, even though I said earlier, like, I, it's the worst thing that ever happened to him. When I first heard that, I was like, oh my God, that's perfect. This is a marriage made in heaven. This is going to be fantastic. Uh, and then you're like, oh, we're doing something totally different where we're not even introducing Megatron until the last 20 minutes of the movie. Okay, that's uh, that's certainly a choice. And it worked for him. I mean, he made billions of dollars on this franchise. But as I go back and watch it, I'm like, yeah, mistakes were made here. This is not <laughs> maybe the best way. And we should have known. And we should have known because maybe was it two years before that first Transformers, um, the Island, mm -hmm. that was another movie where um, something like I felt like something was being said in that movie, but <laughs> also not just because of how again the orange filter, um, um, you know, the weird focuses on Scarlett Johansson, 
uh, it's just um, like there was something to say about the island, but uh, it got lost in the mix. And <laughs> all right, so so look, um, <laughs> Michael Bay should never try to do smart sci-fi. That's just not this is not your area. But I'm never gonna fully hate uh, a movie with you and McGregor and Scarlett Johansson. Like, and he's you know say what you will about Michael Bay, he's very he's very good at shooting the human form. Like he lingers. Um, so if that's all you're looking for, then you're going to be really happy. But if you're, and it's interesting because I think that movie is designed to be thought provoking, uh, but there's really not much there. Like, and I'm a big fan of smart sci-fi. Like Blade Runner is one of my favorite movies ever made. And I was watching this like, Oh, he's really going to try here. And then about 20 minutes in, I'm like, Oh, this, this was a poor choice. Like, this is not, and that, you know, that was a movie that bombed. I think that was one of his first movies that, like, really didn't do well. So, it, you know, luckily, I think he learned his lesson. He never went back to really trying to be smart and was like, okay, let me just. <laughs> well, I, I I don't, well, because I'm looking, and that might not be fully true because he's supposed to do Robopilots, and that's a book that I actually um, enjoyed. Um, it's another kind of, Oof. like, smart Sci-fi. That's not going to go well. Yeah, it's, and... Um, I'm just going to apologize to you now, go well. I think you're going to get your feelings <laughs> hurt by that movie, and I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> it's going to be unnecessary. Like, it's going to be... So, we haven't brought it up yet, but it's there is going to be an unnecessarily racist moment that happens in this movie, like it did in the Transformers, where I don't even want to get started on... The Transformer cars and some oh. of their personalities, and two of them specifically that were like yes. twins. All right, yeah. so, so actually, so let's get I'm... into that because I actually want to talk about that. So, okay. I have never in my life walked out of a movie in the theater. The closest I ever came was Transformers Two, uh, because those characters are yes. some of the most blatant, horrible black stereotypes since the days of accepted blackface. I mean, this is the level that we're at. And I say accepted blackface because blackface still happens amazingly. I mean, there was just yeah, something yeah. in the news recently about kind of going back and looking at Jimmy Fallon doing blackface on SNL. And that was not that long ago. But this is like to the level of like, you know, old school blackface where it's totally accepted. Like this is a form of humor and we're just going to go for it. Like that's what it read to me as. And, and that's as a white guy. So I can't even imagine. Um, the lived experience of a black person going to a summer movie to turn your brain off and having your eyes and ears assaulted like this. So what was your reaction? Do you remember your reaction to it when you first saw that? I know I do, because I remember at the end of the first Transformer movies, um, uh, I forgot which Transformer gets killed, but like they were coded as black. And I was like, wow, like uh, even Jazz, Jazz, I think was the name of the character. Oh, Jazz I'm like, uh, of course, I mean, and I, know, and I know the jazz is real, but I'm like, of course, he has to be called as well, well so whatever. you know, maybe the first time in recent history that uh, jazz has been represented by a black character instead of a white guy teaching everyone what jazz is about, so maybe that's good? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, and it, you know what, and the fact that that is like a, maybe it is, just tell us just at. how much Michael Bay needs to, that's where we're at, and that's how much you need to stay away from it, but whenever... When I heard those two vehicles start talking, I said, now, how did the crows from Dumbo find their <laughs> way into this That is a great room? comparison. That is spot on. That is exact. And, and to show you how to touch that is, that's something that, like, when it went to Disney+, Plus, they just like, we're not, we're just going to remove that part because we don't, we would never do that now. So that's how out of touch Transformers <laughs> 2 was. Oh, God. So that that was my and then of course I'm you know I'm sitting there and I'm just like I cannot believe that we're doing this right now but with many things um that I consume because I love sci-fi and I love action films and all these other things um I would hardly be able to watch anything because there is for not one time um if there isn't like a black director or writer behind it where I'm not thinking why who let you all do this so in that moment and I hate like I hate to say that it is the norm but it is true that it is the norm it's just one of those things where I'm just like you know what I'm just gonna I'm gonna let that be what it is right now but I will revisit it and it's definitely like screw you Michael Bay because 
there was just no reason for it. But that's how I remember that, hey, who he is and what this is going to be and why it is. That's why I'm surprised that Pain and Gain actually was, again, pretty decent because Anthony Mackie's character is horrific, but he's not horrific in a character kind of way, um, caricature kind of way. But also that's because the original guy in real life isn't even black. And I'm like, you know what? Thank you. And it's... (laughs) Which is wild, right? Because he cast, because you know Anthony Mackie got cast in that role, and because the the guy in real life actually isn't black, like that could have yeah. went a totally just weird, unnecessary direction, but somehow avoided it. Like it really felt like a blind casting, and it, and How it worked. Interesting. I didn't even know that. Um, and this is kind of blowing my mind in the moment right now, because if you were to think of directors that you would expect to like, oh, we're going to do quote unquote colorblind casting. We're going to recast this white character as a black character. Michael Bay would not be at the top of my list of people I would expect to do <laughs> that. Um, and uh, that's maybe my favorite Anthony Mackie performance. I, I think it's phenomenal. I think it's Same. really funny. I mean, I, it's quotable. It's, you know, and again, not a character you root for, but like, it really works like and that is shocking to me that michael bay of all people is the one who's like you know what we're just gonna cast we're gonna cast the best actor for this role i don't care that he's he doesn't match what the real person looked like we're just gonna do this good good for michael bay you know like it's (laughs) it is definitely you know a a broken clock that's right right twice and i think that's (laughs) the one other time so in terms of, like, granted, I don't think there's anyone on the planet who would listen to a movie podcast and has never seen a Michael Bay movie. I don't think it's possible um, because, like, you know, he's made some of the biggest movies ever made, both in terms of scale and in terms of monetary value. But if, you know, somehow you met someone who'd never seen a Michael Bay movie, what would you tell them to expect from a Michael Bay movie? Like, here's what you're going to get. How would you describe Michael Bay as a filmmaker to a newbie? Like. <laughs> Going to the candy store for the first time by yourself with, um, like, like I don't know, let's say like 30, 40 bucks. You're 10. Your parents tell you, go get whatever it is that you want. And you do that. <laughs> you come back. You got a bag full of candy. You know, you're thinking you're about to have this great, amazing time because you wolf down all this candy and then look at you <laughs> sick afterwards. And that's what it is. <laughs> like, you, you, you know, for a little bit, you enjoy your choice. Um, and, and either, you know, start and watch this movie, but halfway through, you're wondering, wow, did I make a mistake? And you absolutely did. <laughs> and by the time that it's over, you are probably sick. And for the most part, except for Pain and Gain and The Rock, um, you're feeling that way. Yeah. And then you take a year to recover and then come back and do the same thing all over again every single summer. It's. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's actually a perfect description that, you know, 30 or 40 dollars worth of candy will will do you wrong uh, afterwards. And it does it does kind of feel like that. Um, So (laughs) at the very end of this episode, we'll talk about like what you think his masterpiece is. But do you have any like final wrap ups, anything that we missed, anything that you want to mention about Michael Bay before we get to that? Yes, um, unfortunately, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but when I saw Bad Boys for Life, I actually miss Michael well, Bay. We did get to see Michael Bay in the movie. He has a he has a cameo. So those yeah, are... and I wish I wish he was directing it um, because they um, wow I can't believe I'm saying this, but they they really needed him. <laughs> I think the the one thing the one thing I really love about that cameo is that they do the Michael Bay spin uh, around. I was like, that's a nice that's a nice moment. That's I guess the other thing you can always you're always going to get that in a Michael Bay movie. And it's interesting as I've watched them going forward, it's actually very subtle in like the first Bad Boys uh, and even in The Rock. Mm-hmm. But by the time you get to like Bad Boys 2 and the Transformers movies, he's just like, okay, I'm just going to, this is my thing. So I'm going to do it over and over and over again. So this is again, you said yeah, this is exactly, <laughs> this is again the curse of him doing so well at the beginning of his career. It's like, well, I have to do my Michael Bay thing. So, you know, we're, we're going to do it as much as we can because I have, you know, 165 minutes of this movie. I'm going to do this at least seven times. So let's just really go for it. So, yeah, Michael Bay is, uh, 
I guess, like, I really like Michael Bay as a director despite all of his faults, but it is exhausting. Like, his movies, like, by the time you're done, even with one movie, you're like, okay, I need a nap. I need a snack. I just, I've gone through something by the time this movie ends. It is a lot. You, <laughs> it's a movie where you had better have um, your vice of choosing, whatever yes. that is. And it's it's a real, like, Saturday, Friday night kind of, you know, I kind of want to unwind from the week, but I don't want to necessarily pay attention to what it is that I'm watching. Yes. Because there is a comfort in his movies, and I can't believe them all. Like, for me, there's a comfort in his movies because, one, I've always seen them in theaters, or they've always been movies that I've seen with family. So um, kind of similar to Twister, a movie that I shouldn't find comforting, <laughs> but the same thing with his movies because they've been um, they've been family. Like, I have good memories attached to them. And the reason why I'm able to focus on those memories because I wasn't focused on the movies. Yes, absolutely. Because there's at least <laughs> five times during every movie you just have to like look at the person next to you and be like, did that just, yeah, that's real. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, I'm not that high. I'm not that drunk. That's the thing that really happened. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an adventure. So on our show, um, we always, uh, we pick, you know, our favorite, the director's best and the masterpiece. And I want you to give us your take on the masterpiece you're free to offer up you know best and favorite if you want to but no pressure on that and as i mentioned to you before we started recording on our show the masterpiece is like okay you take someone brand new and you're like this is michael bay this movie this has everything you would expect from a michael bay movie this is you know michael bay in like the smallest dose possible here you go so what is what is the masterpiece of michael bay's films i cannot believe i'm saying this because I just said how much I love Pain and Game. But if I'm introducing someone who has never seen any of his films, but I need him to get, I need them to get like the, the cliff notes, it is going to be that Transformers mm. movie, The Last Night. Yeah. Because it's what he would have done if he had a King Arthur mm-hmm. movie. Uh, it's another movie if they would have gave him the reins to some Disney movie where, um, you know, a dad is trying to find retribution yep. or whatever um, by. <laughs> but like um taking this orphan upon him um and then there's some i don't know some old english if there was like some secret if he got like a james bond movie mm-hmm. or whatever that happens and then i don't know like some sci-fi yeah. stuff at the end who knows but it's all i feel like all of his his entire filmography um is in that movie and it's a long movie, so you're you're getting all <laughs> two decades and then some of his uh you know his career as a director. So Transformers: The Last Night. I'm sorry, that is the one that um I'm I'm unfortunately yeah. like hey that's watch totally that. valid. And you bring it up the fact that he's been working for 20 years uh brought up something that like it's really interesting. There's not I, this sounds like an insult and it kind of is, but it's also kind of a compliment. There's not very many directors that like could work for 20 years straight and you're like, yeah, this could be made in 1996 or 2020. Like it's Michael Bay all the way through. The man is who he is. He's not Scorsese. He's not goes through these arcs of his career. He's like, you know, this is what I do and I'm really good at it. So sit back, uh, have your beverage of choice and enjoy and you'll get you'll get a Michael Bay movie. So, you know, I weirdly kind of like that. Like you said, there's that comfort. You know exactly, even though you don't know exactly what the movie's going to be, you kind of do. You know what you're getting every time mm-hmm. you sit down. You're getting at least 150 minutes of just absolute mayhem. Uh, and then you can go home and recover. So, you know, it's kind of, it is comforting in a weird way. All right. So one more time before you head out, why don't you tell people uh, how to follow you on Twitter and, you know, anything else that you're working on free reign. All right. So um, you can follow me on all social media um, at Steph underscore I underscore Will um, for the two web comics that I have. Uh, they have IG and Webtoon pages. So for, but what if though? And Parenthood Activate, just type those into Webtoons. You can find those there. And then on IG, um, it's BWIT webcomic. And then um, Parenthood Activate on IG. So 
again, like if you like unintentionally things, then I highly recommend Bo Def Go because I'm basically taking those things and saying, hey, here they are. Um, you don't even have to like you don't have to like watch all this stuff to find it. Um, so as far as anything new that I have coming up, there was a Kickstarter that I had for um, a fan comic that I'm doing called Living Heroes that is a mashup of some of my favorite uh, Marvel women in uh, the TV uh, sitcom Living Single. Nice. So um, that Kickstarter is over. Thank you. Um, but when the book is ready, it will be up um, for everyone eventually to view. And I do have plan of buying a few extra copies so that I can, you know, sell the, sell it to those who might have missed out on the, the Kickstarter so they can have access to that. But hey, if you enjoyed me talking about Michael Bay and kind of got a feel, this is kind of what I do when I talk about comics, um, especially the the older comics in the golden age, because um, for me, even though like I should have a complete headache as a black <laughs> woman reading all that stuff, and I still get it. Um, I don't know, like I just it's just really fun for me to kind of look at some of these things and kind of a uh, laugh yes. edit kind of thing because some of these things are just so outlandish that what else can you do? Yeah, like you said, laugh or you'll cry, so you might as well laugh because it's the only way you can really get through it in any kind of positive, healthy way. Makes perfect sense. All right, so uh, once again, Steph, thank you for being here on this episode. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I had a great time. Um, so definitely follow her and support support her webcomic. She does great work. Uh, we will be back for an entire month of Michael Bay. Uh, our next episode, we will be covering Bad Boys in the Rock, and then we'll move to Armageddon and Pearl Harbor. And then we'll do a Patreon-only episode on the entire Transformers series, uh, so I can make my co-host feel some real pain um and then we will wind it up with the island and pain and gain and then 13 hours and six underground so definitely join us for that and if you would like access to my co-host pain to talk about transformers just go ahead and donate to our patreon as little as a dollar per month and it's just patreon.com slash a podcast directed by and follow us on twitter at directed by pod Just